Will I fall or will I misstep? Will I fall or will I misstep? Will I call you with my last breath? Will you be there for me after? Will I waste inside this silence where the fear is fucking violent? Wicked sinner thrown to the lions with no hope on the horizon. Will I fall or will I misstep? If I fall or if I misstep, if I fall or if I misstep, if I call you with my last breath, will you be there for me after? Because I'm wasting in this silence where my fear is fucking violent. I'm a child thrown to the lions. Is there hope on the horizon? If I fall or if I misstep. Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? Am I still beside you? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? I'm Harley. I'm Chris. And I'm Tim. And this is the Deconstruction Series. Welcome to the Always More podcast, where we believe there is always more room at the table for honest questions, meaningful conversations, and deeper understanding. The song, the, the I guess it's kind of like a poem. I guess if you take it out of song context, it's a poem. Yeah, uh, it's from a, it's from a song called "A Prayer" by Chad Gardner from King's Kaleidoscope. A year ago, Chris and I opened up ourselves to evaluate, discuss, and bring to the table our journey through deconstruction and just a few deep dives into its many complex layers. We shared our stories of our experience from Christian nationalism and hurt from church leadership and um, even stories within the church itself. And for me personally, it was the first time that I revealed my new and still evolving faith and beliefs. And as frightening as that was, was also extremely liberating. Yeah. Um, we also got to hear from you guys. It was encouraging, um, heartbreaking, cathartic. Uh, it's just, it was a lot to hear some of your stories and experiences. Um, obviously, with the Christian faith and derivatives of that, um, we don't have too many listeners that gave us deconstruction from other religions, but no. I mean, that's not really our wheelhouse anyway. Um, but that's, that's kind of why we did this, though, is to open up the conversation for you guys, not to try to convince or debate with anybody. Um, but like we said last year, that's not how true change works. We wanted to give comfort in what is commonly a lonely experience. A lot can change in a year. Um, a lot can change in a year. So relationship dynamics, experiences, new questions, fresh perspectives, all of that comes with it. And we wanted to provide an update on that, um, on our own deconstruction, some new ideas, fresh perspectives that we've had through the eyes of ourselves and our new host, Harley. 
<laughs> so um, this time around, we still want to discuss certain aspects of deconstruction. Um, but much to Chris's delight, um, we're going to keep it shorter, probably around four episodes. Um, our hope and goal in the series is to bring more voice to conversations that are oftentimes shunned or brushed under the rug. Um, we hope to bring familiarity and comfort to those who perhaps have yet to become public with these thoughts and feelings. Mm. Um, and we desire to bring hope to those who felt like you were alone in these questions. So let's go ahead and dive in. Back in August 2021, Matt Chandler, the lead pastor of the Villa Church in Flower Mound, Texas, said this regarding deconstruction. Are in a day and age where deconstruction and the turning away from and leaving the faith has become some sort of sexy thing to do. I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ actually, that that's really impossible to deconstruct from. But if all you ever understand Christianity to be is a moral code, then I totally get it. Later, in a response to some, some critical, critical feedback from this, he said, it seems that there are many definitions of deconstruction as there are people going through what John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul, or even wrestling through significant and real church hurt. When I use the term, I am using it in the vein of its father, French philosopher Derrida? Derrida? I don't know. It's French, I don't know. Uh, who believed that the meaning of the text was unknowable and therefore truth was not real no, really knowable, end quote. It is remarkable to me that in the day and age we are, in the 21st century, year 2022 of our Lord Jesus Christ. On Beyonce's internet. <laughs> Beyonce's internet. <laughs> that people just don't Google things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or they do Google things and it's like the stuff that they use is, it benefits what they are trying to argue. Right. It's like, bro, you just used Google to go find Newsmax. And yeah. then you looked it up on the Newsmax website. Like, yeah. Literally anything else. Well, it's, it's also, I, I think. Pick one. Right. I think people are also just Googling wrong. Instead of like Googling what is, they go, why is deconstruction bad? Or like those kind of things. And of course, you're going to end up with certain yeah. articles with certain Confirmation things. Confirmation bias. Right. Um, there are friends I've seen in the past year who I, I think they're not stupid people. They love people and they're good people. But they will say or share misleading and empty things regarding deconstruction and what it means. And granted, not everyone's listening to our podcast. We understand that. You know, we're, we're I feel like most of our listeners are like hate listeners. <laughs> <laughs> they just listen to it to shun and attack us later. Maybe in their yeah. own in their own circles. <laughs> Maybe Harley, were you were you that person? Did you hate us? Absolutely not. Okay, that's why she's here now. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to destroy us from the inside. Oh my god! Um, it's just. <laughs> It's another reason why I think we, I especially, I don't know if these guys, I kind of pulled them into it, I think, um, but why we're doing this deconstruction series again. 100% you pulled me into it. Um, it's because I, was, I was never going to talk about it. <laughs> it's something I'm passionate about. You're just going to see me get less and less Christian over time. <laughs> like by, the, by my final episode with this podcast, it's only going to be obscenities and curse words, <laughs> racial slurs. I'm calling everybody out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wanted to just talk about deconstruction again, kind of redefine it. That's what this first episode is going to be about. It's going to be about redefining and re-understanding what deconstruction is and what it isn't, and also sharing some stories 
Um, yes. Yes. So Mike McCarg, he's a guy that I like to read and listen to. He says, unlearning is so much harder than learning. Dude, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think about that in any like general context, too. Because it's like once you learn something, you can't go back to that ignorance. Right. And that is the most painful thing sometimes. Yeah. Like I thought about it a lot. It was more in like high school. I would like I miss to, when I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> genuinely. Like I would think to back when I was like a kid too. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I used to like not know this like horrible fact about living and I can't unlearn that. Like right. you can't just be ignorant to it once you know it. Mm-hmm. I mean some people can, but like the pain yeah. of it is it's, there. It takes a very serious case of cognitive dissonance. Oh yeah. To, yeah. To be able to to forget things that are just right. universally true. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just that, but it's also, if you are open to it, that's the hard part. If you're open to learning new things, it's hard because it's emotional, it's emotional turmoil. It's, 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 it's relearning how to experience the world around you. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of this is it's hard because if you are so ingrained with what you know, it's hard to get out of that oh, because yeah. you only want, is, there's that confirmation bias that we were talking about earlier. It's that only wanting to believe what you know as to be true. Yeah. That goes with politics, that goes with religion, that goes with your culture and your society. Um, it, it's just, it's like, it's mind-boggling to people that men can't wear dresses. Right. Like, it's so, it's so, they think that for all of dawn of time that men have worn jeans and women have worn dresses. And right. that it can't be reversed. But if you just open up a history book, you'll see like a hundred years ago. Wore right. Right. And so but kids that, didn't have gender until they were like five. Right. Everybody yeah. just wore potato sacks. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, like, hey, your kid over there, my son, the hell is a son? No, <laughs> the sun is in the sky. Go tell your kid. The child. Bring it. Bring yeah. me the child. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I think that quote there, it, it's a reminder to me to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because that's generally when something is trying to teach me something. Yeah. And even if it's something that I may not agree with, it at least gives me more understanding. Um, and I think that's the goal that we should strive for. And that's what deconstruction is. is It's not this joyful thing that you get into or you just fall into what well, is something you fall into. But it's not something that you deliberately choose. It's something that does bring, if you're open to it, it brings a transformation that does not feel great all the yeah. time. Now, that being said, though, before we go any further with that, um, that applies to learning information factually and through other people's lived experience. That does Just not, as important. does not apply to falsehoods. Right. Because, like, one of the debates we got into after our last deconstruction series somebody had said something that was just like completely wrong and off the wall and just insane to even think about being a possibility and we pointed it out and the guy was like well it seems like you guys aren't very tolerant to new points of view this was our point of view (laughs) no no sir we're very tolerant to new points of view that's how we got here it's we're not tolerant to things that are just wrong Yeah. yeah things that are not factual like, you can tell me all day long that the Bible is a book of love and truth, and I understand that is your point of view. I somewhat agree, somewhat don't, based on my, my own personal lived experience and all of that. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that God physically wrote the Bible and every word of that is 100% <laughs> true, I'm going to tell you that is not accurate. Yeah, It was very clearly written over thousands of years by people. Mm-hmm. and all gathered together into one collection. 
Yeah. Like there, there are some things that we'll hear you out on others. If it's just factually wrong and there's so much evidence to prove it, don't even bother. Right. Yeah. It, it, there's this thing that I do always want to have deep inside me is, is fundamentalism at its core can damage from either side of the perspective. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I'm always looking out for is and fundamentalism. That, that's with anything, not right. just not just Christianity. Fundamentalism in any religion, any viewpoint, politics. In education, politics. Yeah. Fundamentalism in the food pyramid <laughs> yeah. can, can ruin everything. Like yeah. fundamentalism in and of itself can be very dangerous. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think I mentioned this last year, but I wanted to go over this because if you're listening to this, then you're interested, and so you know why not. Uh, But these are five truths about a deconstructed faith. And this comes from Pete Enns. He's a scholar, a PhD, who knows his shit about the Bible. Um, But he's kind of like us. He was born and raised in a Christian world and has learned some things through his scholarly work. Um, But he has some things to say about a deconstructed faith. Number one, we don't bring it upon ourselves. It just happens. Um. He, he said this in one of his videos, deconstruction is not something that we will to do. Rather, it's something that cannot be rushed, scripted, or controlled. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Textbook. You don't go into it going, you know what? I'm going to just change everything about what I believe. And right. <laughs> I'm going to do this sexy thing and deconstruct right. <laughs> everything about who I am and what I do. Oh, my gosh. It, it just... That that's the and that's the frustrating part in me because there are friends and people that I care about that I want so bad to get some of the things I'm trying to say, and I know it's. That's why we keep saying this over and over again in every episode that we've done with this series is that we're not trying to convince you because that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. It, we are not going to win you in an argument. The same way I wasn't wanted. I'm really glad what you said earlier about it's not just the factual things, but it's the relationships and the connections, because that's. I think probably the biggest push what led me down this path was just listening to people and just yep. hearing their perspectives and, and going, why is this person's lived experience so much different than mine? It's really easy to stay in Christianity or even outside of that in any kind of environment when everything around you is that environment. Right. You can yeah. you can dismiss people deconstructing super easily by never listening to them and only listening to the people that are still where you are. Yeah. You got to get out of your your little shell here and listen to people, experience their lives, their stories, and that's what really I think is the biggest trigger for most people deconstructing is they they hear other people outside of their group, and they're like, well, why is that different from this? Yeah. Yeah. And then doing the research is where it really kind of takes off. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really like this curiosity. And if you have this genuine desire to know more and to understand more, it, it opens things. Now, there are people that I know that are still conservative and still on the, I, I don't want to call it, I don't want to call it necessarily the right, but they, they have more conservative viewpoints that have deconstructed, but they at least come at things a little bit differently and they approach it. And there's still people I listen to that I respect because of at least they approach things in a in a manner of like, okay, they are open to new things and they're a little bit more, they're not like Matt Chandler here where it's saying, oh, well, if you have never truly known, the, I mean, of course you are going to deconstruct if you've never known the love of Christ. Like, Fuck you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that obviously makes sense. But there are people like you and I who we spent 
what, four days minimum per week at the church. Yeah. That was your job for a long time. I did it unpaid. Yeah. And like we, we literally devoted our lives to Christianity, to the church. And like, you can't convince me to this day that I didn't experience the real true love of God. Right. But the church itself needed to be deconstructed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's that's the interesting part about this, and we should move on. But it's people that have deconstructed, deconstructed usually have, as, as what you said earlier, is that we we've been there, we've had that viewpoint before. The difference is we have at least changed a little bit, or understand things a little bit differently. We know where you're coming from. We've seen it. We lived it. We breathed it. We preached it. We we did all these things, mm-hmm. and so this is not something that we chose to experience. Uh, number two, you aren't failing at faith. You're expressing it. He said this deconstruction isn't about losing God. It's about losing the God we've created in our own image. Yeah, I think that's a major thing, especially for me, because um, I just kind of like realized over time that, especially in church, it was the God that I learned about was the God that they wanted me to know about Yeah, or the the perspective of God that they thought we should know about but it wasn't who God actually is. And so that was really like the toughest part for me, I think. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, and it's funny too, because you even see this in the Bible itself. You have people questioning God all the time. Yeah. It's not like an, it's not, it's not a brand new thing. It's not just coming from the rise of deconstruction. This is in the Bible itself. You got people, I mean, that's the whole reason why Jesus was killed is because he was upending the system that they knew about. He was changing everything about how you believe and how you believed in God and everything. Yeah. You know, Job, perfect example of that too. And these people that are questioning Ecclesiastes, God, it's a whole book of just, God, why are you not here? Why, <laughs> why does this suck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's one of the things that really hit me was learning that what I'm dealing with, whether it's a doubt or whatever, that's a part of faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of my favorite uh, Bible characters, if you will, uh, was Elijah with a J, not the SH. Yeah. Although Elisha was pretty cool too. Uh, but Elijah with a J, this dude is literally like the best prophet ever, according to all of the miracles he's done, all of the the speaking directly to God and getting messages and doing signs and wonders and all of that stuff in God's name. Like, he killed over 400 prophets of a different god because his god told him to with a sword. I don't know if you've ever killed anybody with a sword, but one person is hard to do. He did 400. Never <laughs> lost his strength. This dude was insane, like, biblically speaking. And he also was depressed. Like, yeah. he's just, he's a dude doing what God told him to do according to the Bible and he still himself like had face-to-face conversations with God and was sometimes just like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. God, why just kill me? Like, take me out right now. Like, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, Jonah was the same way too, wasn't he? Uh, towards the end, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Jonah, um, Elijah, Job, obviously. Yeah. There's a lot of minor characters in there that were the same way. Like, just end it. it like, I'm done. It's not. Deconstruction isn't like coming against Christianity. If anything, it's probably the most pure form of expressing the faith, like you said. Yeah. 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 It's feel like you're losing control. It feels like you're losing what you thought was truth or what was foundational. 
And it, it is a crumbling of that. Yeah. Uh, number three, deconstruction comes from within. He said this, deconstruction is the courage to follow the deep sense that something isn't right no matter what others say. It's this, it's this mindset that, oh, you were you just listened to this podcaster or you read that book or you're, you're being influenced. That's one of the biggest things that people have said to me, especially family members. Is like, I'm just worried that you're listening to the wrong people and that yeah. they are swaying you. I'm like, I get that. However... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like they 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 ask you to go back to the Bible. It's like, but if your idea about the Bible is different, how and do you, how do you think I got here? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that too. It's like a lot of it comes from the Bible. It comes from questions about what the Bible is actually saying about itself. Yeah. And so, if you're questioning that, how are you supposed to trust that? And but even then, it's like. That's it's almost like conservative, and I don't want to get political too quick here, but it's almost like the political spectrum. Of there's only one or two news outlets on the right, and there's like a billion on the left, and it's ironic because people on the right keep telling you, "Oh, why are you listening to left news?" And it's like I'm getting my ideas from a plethora of different people. It's not like I'm just getting one perspective. Yeah. I'm getting many perspectives, and I'm taking that in, taking out the bones, and eating what I like. And it's just it's it's that same kind of thing with deconstruction. Is I'm not listening to one guy. He's not my new messiah or anything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people I listen to. There's people that I'm really inspired by, but I wasn't changed by this one guy. And it's it's this conception or this misconception that we were argued out of faith or into this new idea. Yeah. It's like yeah. for me. I was arguing. I was the apologetics kind of person where I was like, no, I'm going to defend the faith and I want to make sure everyone can, becomes a believer. And like, that was my thing. Yep. I wasn't debated out of this. I think the um, biggest thing for me a lot of the time was I would just hear pastors preaching and then they would say something and it was just something in my spirit was like, ah, mm-mm. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not right. That's that not doesn't right. sit right with me. Yeah. And that would happen so frequently and it would just it get worse and worse and worse. And then it was like, no, I don't know, man. Something's <laughs> not adding up. These, this just doesn't make me feel comfortable anymore. Yeah. And so that's when it was just kind of like, oh, it's time to step back. You know, I, I used to say when I was a lot younger and dumber that there's no way you could ever convince me out of Christianity. And I feel like that's still right. Right. Like I was – nobody ever – convinced me out nobody ever scared me out of believing in jesus or believing in the the god that i was raised to believe in it was it came from within it's my own study and understanding that changed how i view all of that like there was never like somebody who's like an atheist or was part of a different religion that would like yeah yeah. Try and shame me for being a Christian and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I mean, if I had to, I could still shut an atheist down today. <laughs> right. If somebody was like, hey, for a billion dollars, go shut this atheist down, I could do it. Right. 100%. <laughs> it, but, but it was like what I was witnessing as I was practicing my faith. Right. That I was like. Exactly. Oh. I think, I think the frustrating part is that, especially for a lot of people who were who became Christians, came from it from this place of, they went to a church, they went to a service, and they felt this experience of enlightenment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like this once, like, my life has forever changed because of that one night. Mm. And with deconstruction, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's not a one-night thing. It's a like years, months, right? Yeah. It's stu- it's there, there are what I called last see, last time we talked about this, a, for me at least, there was like an uh-oh moment where I, I had this question pop in my head of, what if all this is just totally not real 
<laughs> what what if this was all just guys writing shit down and you know whatever the stuff like that but right um it, it, yeah for for i think that's what's frustrating is i think a lot of people of faith think of deconstruction as this one miracle night but it's the opposite it's like the devil changed your night one night and that yeah. was it right and it's not that it's we've been learning and discovering and all these different things it's not a sexy thing it's a hurtful thing yeah that's a Fucking annoying statement. Which brings us to number four. Deconstruction is not sexy or trendy. It sucks. I just can't fathom the idea that you would sexualize a process in which somebody's going through mental and emotional turmoil. Yeah. Like, sexy is the word you chose. Yeah. (laughs) It's the most desirable thing that people like that can think of, though. To be sexy. Oh, whoa. It seems like everything is, is about That is the sex. epitome of desire for people like that. They're like, oh, you know, they're doing it because they want to sin. They they want to It's the Jezebel fun. effect. They, they want, it's uh. the Jezebel spirit. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, that is my least favorite spirit to hear about. Yeah. Uh, that's personal. Well, that's, that's the thing. But, they, quote that, they equate that all to the world. You are in the world. You are trying to be sexy. Like, the world is trying to show you. Like, it's MTV. It's all that. And, like, it's it's all this. You've been sucked into this sexy world mindset. And they that think. That is so weird. But Why is sexy bad, though? Like, <laughs> like don't you. Isn't sex what God created? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. oh that's you, a whole other <laughs> thing. Let's not even get into that. But I it's, mean, am I sinning just by being me? <laughs> God. <laughs> I just can't, f- it just doesn't make sense to me that that's the word that they would use. Yeah. 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 It, it is one of the greatest slaps in the face because it's, because for those who have genuinely gone through it, it's, it hurts. Cause it you, don't feel real sexy. No. it. I it, feel like I want to slam my head into a wall. People look at you differently. Some and people they, are into that. Ah, <laughs> uh, why? Um. Yeah, for for me, it's people look at you differently. They talk to you differently. They mm-hmm. they don't share with you as much. The people they, that you have known literally your entire life, like literally from the second of your birth, sometimes yeah. can cut you out. Yeah, and it it hurts. Mm-hmm. And number five, the last one on Pete N's list, it does something positive for our faith that nothing else can do. And I think it's kind of what you were alluding to earlier, Harley. Was it's or both of y'all um, is. It's something that is true faith, is learning to doubt yourself and learning to doubt what you know. Um, wherever you end up, that's a part of the faith that you see in the Bible is people relearning all the time. Yeah. And what is, to me, what really kind of put the nail in the coffin when it comes to deconstruction and about the Christian movement in America is like, these guys are not learning anything new. It's the same things over and over again. If yep. anything, they're being changed by the political system. A hundred percent there. Um, there was a, a guy. I'm trying to find it. Hold on. If I can. I will not hold on. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> um, Reverend Brandon. That's his name. I always forget what his name is. Uh, Brandon Robertson. He's an LGBT. Yeah. Reverend. Um, he had said. And I'm, I'm trying to remember how to word this the the crazy thing about deconstruction and faith and all of that is that in christianity there's a lot of times where people claim to have all the answers but that's not what faith is asking us Mm. faith is asking us to trust without having these answers to just believe without there being proof 
to understand that we're not going to know everything for for any situation like right. any given second we there's something we don't know and that's okay yeah and that's always what i think about like the people that i left behind in that life are the people that know everything absolutely 100% right they have the answers and i am way more comfortable not knowing now than i ever have been i'm happier not knowing because there's a level of intelligence to not knowing. Yeah. Mm. It's like, I think in Proverbs it says that um, a fool is certain of his reasoning or something like that. But the wise are always questioning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it kind of come back, comes back down to that, that one night experience. It's funny too, because people go, well, you feel like you just like, they usually sets you up along the lines of, you feel like you know everything now. Like, well, why don't you just know this? Like, you're doing the same exact thing. Like, if you're in faith and you're saying that you have the ultimate truth, you are saying the exact same thing that you probably said yeah. as an unbeliever where, you know, you didn't know all the truth. Mm. And, like, what what makes you think that you have everything now? Right. It it really does come back down to a, a um, intellectual argument. I'm not saying that faith is that, but I'm saying you believe that the Bible and what you're being taught is 1,000% truth. My question is, how? How do you get there? <laughs> like, explain that. How? And they usually go to things that they don't completely understand, which I'm not saying that we all have to have everything understood, but... Don't it, act it, like you know everything. Right. If you're going to have that expectations for others, then you need to have it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There was, like, something that my dad always told me growing up, um, and I'm, I'm sure you both have probably heard it, but it was like, he was like, oh, so you think you know everything. You might, well, you might as well go ahead and pack up, move out. You're an adult now. You got it all under control, like, since yeah. you know everything. But then I, like, in this case, I feel, I feel like that's the same thing. Like, they're, they are kids who think they know everything. Mm. But the maturity comes from not knowing everything. Right. And so I Knowing think, that you don't know. Yeah, and being comfortable with that is mm. the biggest thing. It's like God works in mysterious ways. Then why do you have an answer for everything? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Mm. Also, yeah. why is it the wrong answer? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why is we're, it the worst answer you could possibly say? <laughs> we're about to wrap this up. I wanted to share something that I uh, learned about the other day. Um, I haven't read the book, but I was listening to an interview about it. And um, there's a book by a surgeon. His name is Dr. Paul Brand, and it's titled The Gift of Pain. And he basically talks about the ancient disease of leprosy, which if you know the Bible, it's like a thing in the Bible where... You know, it's a big thing. Like you, it's a big you, deal. It's a big deal. It's like you, it's like quicksand when you were a kid. <laughs> right. Like you're always worried about quicksand. Oh yeah. But like in the Bible, it's leprosy. Yeah, you're always. Yeah, it was like, actually two of my biggest worries. It when really I was, a was. Kid, was falling into quicksand and getting leprosy. It's like, what am I gonna do if I get leprosy? <laughs> well, it was taught like, hey, if you touch him, touch someone else, you're gonna get it. And it's actually we've learned in modern science, it's not that. That's contagious. not how that works. Right. Well, anyways. Um, so according to who, <laughs> if you actually really want to know, leprosy is a chronic infectious disease caused by microbacterium lep- leprae. Okay. Uh, it's an acid, fast, rod-shaping baculus. Um, the disease mainly affects the skin, the peripheral, and the peripheral nerves. So essentially, one of its effects is to eat away at your skin and the nerves within your skin, which basically prohibits you from feeling things. Yep. 
Mm. And so you eventually become over time not as aware of pain. It's like it's like you've seen those people who don't feel pain. Like there's I can't remember what the actual thing is called, but like if they touch a burning stove, they won't feel anything. I always see it with like children and that always really worries oh, me. I like, know. What if I have a kid that doesn't feel pain? Like yeah. how am I gonna know what's going on? Yeah. Mm. So anyways, it kinda it does the same exact thing. So this doctor, Dr. Paul Brand, um, he talked about he 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 focused on leprosy. He focused on going around the world and curing people of that. And he he made this point and this realization that there's a gift in pain. That if people can feel the pain that they're experiencing, he can work on it. He can observe it. He can focus on it. And that's something that really hit me when it comes to deconstruction. Is when I was not feeling pain, I know that I was stuck. Mm. I know that I was not growing that I was not changing. It wasn't until I started feeling pain and hurt and confusion on the inside that I began to look at why I was hurting and why I was feeling these things and feeling curiosity and being able to go, why am I feeling this way? And actually begin to learn and to grow. And I think that's what it comes down to with whether it's faith, whether it's politics, whether it's our culture, is there it has to be a level of being uncomfortable, having to ask yourself, why do I believe what I believe? And maybe if I feel comfortable in knowing, like you were saying earlier, if I know everything, maybe that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I you need know, to start asking some other things. One of the, the best things about the way my mind works, I think, is that I can string lessons together that I learned. A lot of people do that, I understand. It's not like a rare thing. But I feel like in the church, that's frowned upon. Yeah. Because they'll teach you lessons like, well, you know, Everybody that's a baby Christian is having milk, but we need the meat. Yeah. And then they'll also teach you things like, hey, growth is uncomfortable. Anytime you're uncomfortable, you're growing. But then when you're like, hey, I'm really comfortable here. I need to grow. They're like, no, no, no. Sit down. You just need to listen to us. Like, but I, I want the meat, not not the milk. That yeah. this, this is what you wanted me to do, right? Yeah. But. Mm. Yeah, and it's, and I think I said this last year, but I was not qualified to be a pastor. And I say that because I definitely said it last year. I say that because most pastors are not qualified to be what they are today, which is these intellectual Bible teachers. Even if they've gone to seminary, half of that stuff I think is I'm, indoctrination. I think I am probably way more qualified than at least fifty percent <laughs> of pastors in position right now. It, it's it's there's a lack of peer review. Most of the seminaries they go to are they're it's the same people teaching the same thing for the past 30 years. Yep. And it becomes extremely politicized. It becomes yep. s- simply just teaching what we believe as a tribe. And I say this because we have to begin to realize, and this is why it's so important to really question why you believe what you believe, why it's okay to go into the meat of everything. Because if you read the Bible, as a lot of people have who have gone through deconstruction, they begin to have these questions of like, well, what is this? And then... At first, it was like, "Oh yeah, please come to me with your question." And then it's, "Oh wait, no, you're don't ask that question." Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, deconstruction is not fun. No. To conclude, <laughs> uh, guys, uh, we are not done. Uh, when we come back, we're going to share some um, what we've been up to for this past year, and for our new host Harley, she's going to share a thing or two and teach us a thing or two. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll be right back, everybody.
All right, welcome back, everybody, from that short break. Remember, Chris, we talked about, like, for seven episodes in a row about how, like, oh, we should change our ads so where it's not so, like, chipper and everything? Yeah. We never did it? No. <laughs> are we, we going to have to do that? Like it, I don't know. Just, we we say we're going to, but... Let, let's, let's just do one today. That way we can not have... The... But, but is that even a good idea to make an ad that's like, hey, guys, let me tell you about Anchor. <laughs> something on my heart <laughs> just, wanted, just wanted to share with you guys what's on my heart anchor is the best way to create a podcast if you, if you can right now turn down the lights bow your heads everybody close your eyes <laughs> oh that was triggering oh my god no looking to your left or to your right <laughs> your eyes closed heads bowed oh, focus gosh. on focus on anchor right <laughs> We're all getting edited out, right? Oh, no, God, no, this is too good. <laughs> oh, God. All right, guys. As uh, oh, I can't remember which one of y'all said it. It's been a year. It was Chris that said it. It's been a year since we've done this. And so what we're going to do for our main segment today is Chris and I will eventually be kind of sharing um, new things that we've learned, fresh things that we've gained, perspectives, ideas, kind of recapping a hair bit, I think at least on my end, about where we've come from what this year has meant for us in our deconstruction. And then Harley Woo. is about to tell us about how we're all wrong. And oh, God. <laughs> no. Uh, no, she's going to share some of her thoughts and ideas and stories and whatever she wants to share because she's a grown-ass woman and can share whatever she wants. Period. <laughs> yeah. So, Harley, it's all yours. Okay. So, this is kind of going to be um, a share not only for, like, I guess the the audience, but also for you guys, because I feel like there's a lot that you guys haven't learned about my church experience. Um, so I guess it kind of starts as a child. Right. It always does. Um, That's where it all starts. Um, so my family, um, we didn't really like grow up in church. Like we weren't like heavily involved in church, but my parents were religious, like Christian, you know, but like religious in the sense of like, Oh, we believe in that, but we don't really go kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so, like, that was, like, the thing. But where I grew up, my house was near a church in which some of my family members attended. So it was, like, my aunt and her children and stuff like that. And so she would invite all of us, like, us kids, because my parents would never go, um, to church. And so we would just all whatever kids woke up that Sunday morning by chance, uh, my two oldest brothers and whichever of this last three woke up, we would all walk over there, go to church do, you know, Sunday school. And that was it. Call it a day. Um, and I remember getting baptized. Um, and they, all of us, all five of us kids, um, getting baptized, we got a Bible, you know, and it was like oh, a gift from the church. Here's right. a Bible. Um, and, like, the inside, you know how it's like, ah, this Bible belongs to Harley, da 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 first yeah. baptism. I was, like, five. I had no concept of it, and I was just like, ooh, I get to get dipped in the water. <laughs> and then it was, like, kind of traumatizing because I didn't want water getting in my nose. So it was more like... Same. I, and so I really had no concept of what baptism meant. It was just, ah. Yeah. Jesus. It was a thing to do. Yeah, it was a thing Jesus. to do. Um, and so... I remember that. I remember singing some of the 
the the children's songs, like the Christian songs. I barely remember them now. Um, and then like what Veggie Tales, watching that sometimes. Um, but it was never like an active thing for me growing up. Um, and then I got to middle school. And that was when, like, I started hopping around from, like, church to church. So it was, like, if it was, like, my friends and I was, like, staying the night and they'd be, like, oh, we're going to church the next morning. You got to go. Yep. And I was, like, oh, okay, cool. I guess I'll bring my nice clothes and we'll go to church. <laughs> and so then we'd do that. And then, like, I remember going to a church in Austin. I remember going to, like, several around Colleen all the time. Um, and then, like, I went to Destiny a couple times. I went to... There's one out off Chaparral that I went to that was like towards the end of middle school. And that was when it started to get more, I guess, real. Because obviously I was like older and I could start understanding concepts of like biblical stories and things like that. And like what the church was. And so there's that, that church that I went to off of um, Chaparral. And um, I went with my friend my best friend at the time, and her family. Um, and so when we first started going there, it was just, it was very small, super small church. Um, so it was like everybody kind of knew everybody. And I remember all of the, like, like adults and stuff being, like, really nice. And then, like, on Sundays, um, the kids would start out in this own Bible study kind of room, and we would, like, kind of talk. And then we'd go join the main service. Do I remember anything that was really said? <laughs> no. I don't remember any of it. And I don't know if it's just because, like, the conversations made me uncomfortable, so I kind of just blocked them out, mm. um, especially in the, like, the youth, like, Bible study. Um, but then we would also go on Wednesday nights, or I think it was Wednesday nights. It was either Wednesdays or Thursdays. Um, and we'd go, and it was just youth. And so I remember starting to, like, become cooler with all of the other kids and, um, obviously I don't know what it is, but church kids are crackheads. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that was when like the idea of it started getting solidified for me. Cause I was just kind of like, Ooh, these kids are built a little different Matter than I am. Wild yeah. Bunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there was this senior, um, who I thought was, it, I thought was cute. And it was just like one of those things where it was like, um, ah, older guy, he's cute, blah, 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 blah. And, um, but it got worse whenever he started to take an interest in me. And so then church became like, oh, the older guy's interested in me. Mm. Like, I want to go to church to go see the older guy. Not realizing that I was kind of getting preyed upon. A hundred percent. One thousand percent. Which is very common in church. Church. Um, yeah. So that was just like the only thing that I had. And then suddenly... He was like gone, and then like probably to prison. Maybe, <laughs> um, I know he joined the military. So God only knows what happened after that. That's so it's a fifty-fifty shot then. Yeah. So either he's in prison or he's a high-ranking <laughs> NCO. Yeah. So, but that was that, and it was very like temporary. Nothing ever actually happened, but obviously there was like conversations on like Facebook Messenger where it was like, oh my gosh. Like, wait till, like, get to high school, and then, like, we can date, and blah, 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 and, like, just BS. And so that was just, like, my idea of, like, church and, like, relationships. Mm -hmm. That it was, like, oh, you're always going to go to church and, like, meet the, the love of your life or somebody that yeah. you're into. And so then I get to high school, and it was my freshman year 
and my best friends at the time, um, like invited us to church. And that was the church that you and I went to. <laughs> you didn't really go there, did you? Not at that time, no. Okay. Um, and so then I started going there and we went to some back to school s'mores thing and then just started getting involved from there. Um, and it was li- literally pretty much like zero to 100. Just like, I was like, oh, this is like cool. There's kids All that in. I go to, yeah, like kids I go to school with go here, like that kind of thing. And I can see them like all the time. Cause I can just walk over yeah. and just go to school. Um, I mean, go to church. And um, so that was just like really it. And so that was when really I started to understand like church and like Jesus and like stuff like that because I actually began to learn things. And it wasn't just like, oh, you should just always love Jesus. It was like, oh, well, here's why you should, like, love Jesus and, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then I got involved um, on the youth leadership, and um, that was under Tim. And, um, Let's hear about how I caused trauma. <laughs> it, wasn't how, it wasn't you. It was never you. It's okay if it is. <laughs> I understand. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I would like to point out, though, is it, she – Left the church, but she still wanted to maintain a relationship with you Precisely. as a person. I know. So it has nothing to do with you <laughs> yeah. leading her to hell. <laughs> right. Right. Though that is what many uh, parents believe now. Really? Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. We, we get already. those messages. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I get those messages, too. But I remember then it became like church was fun. Like, we did all kinds of crazy stuff and, like, the lock-ins and, like, oh. going to church camp. Like, yeah. and let's talk about church camp. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, like, lock-ins in church camp are, like, probably some of the most problematic things yeah. that, like, every <laughs> church does. Yeah. yeah. Like why, are, why are they so obsessed with that? It's been 30 a, years. Why are we still thing? doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know it's a bad idea. Let's just take all of these hormonal emotionally charged drained children and put them into one spot and for the most part leave them unattended yeah we'll see what happens they're either gonna find god or find out they're pregnant (laughs) yeah that um oh and my first ever lock-in it was in middle school at a a different church obviously (laughs) hop around um and i'm actually still friends with on facebook the youth pastor and his wife that were there at the time so that's pretty interesting um we don't really talk much though um, I would probably expect not. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know if they're still involved in that church. But anyways, um, and I remember that was my first ever like lock-in experience. And I remember um, the boys being absolute heathens. And mm-hmm. the girls had their own sleep room Yeah, that the boys could not go into. I don't even think the boys had a sleep room. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, because <laughs> um, they don't sleep. Yeah, but the girls did. Yeah, and no one could go in there except for girls. Um, just and it was like the safe zone. Like you can't like mark on anybody's faces and like mess with them or anything. No batteries up the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was like my first ever lock-in experience. So that was like in a huge gym, yeah. and it was just like, wow, this is what we're doing, and we have to stay up all night, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, but anyways, back to high school. Um. So then I went to my first ever church camp, mm. and that was kind of like what Chris said, like emotionally charged, um, barely any sleep, 
we barely got sleep. I was, remember constantly being exhausted, but I was so excited because, like, they kept you entertained with, like, games. Yeah. And so that was, like, how they, like, got you more involved. And so then we would be up in the mornings for, like, the morning services. And a lot – they would separate us, the girls and the guys. And I remember a lot of the girls' ones, like, some of them were pretty, like, good, and it was, like – a lot of the women saying how like they discovered who they were like as a woman, but some of them were obviously about how we should act as women mm. in the church and how we should be and how we should not sin and like how we should like prepare ourselves for our future husbands and blah, 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 blah. Keep in mind all this time I'm going through like this mental anguish of being like, I might like women. I'm in a room full of women <laughs> and I'm being told I need to prepare myself for my husband. Like it was just a whole thing. Oh my God. Don't, so don't even get me started on the whole thing of being like queer and then like not knowing it. Mm. Oh, because we're, we're going to get you started. On oh that. <laughs> Cause it was just like, you never felt comfortable like saying you felt the things, but you were like, no, I don't, I don't mm. feel the things. No, <laughs> crazy. No idea. Um, and so it was just kind of, it became this thing where it was like, um, you would see a girl and then you're like, oh, like, I don't like her, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't like, but then you, it made you think like, did I just not like her because I was attracted to her or did I not like her because she, I wanted to like be her? Mm. So that was also a problem of like the, the hormones of like getting older and being like, oh, I want to look that pretty and blah, 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 blah. But then also like, oh, my God, she's so cute. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just a very weird thing. I don't know I, that, I, I but don't. I, I get, I get okay, what you're saying. No. Well, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I don't <laughs> know that, but. <laughs> uh, yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. I guess is the better term. <laughs> um, and so that was a whole thing. Um, and then, so that was like my life for like four years straight throughout high school. And then having, not having, um, having, half having <laughs> I can't even English um being a leader with like over the students I enjoyed that that was so much fun and it felt like I could like I felt like I was making a difference but at the same time I didn't ever feel like I was capable of not uh, capable enough of leading the students like I should have because I was questioning my own faith and that's when it started to get into like I would hear things like in main service mostly. Um, and I would be like, that doesn't sit right with me. Um, and I can't think of very many specific instances, but I know the feeling because I experienced it so often. Yeah. And it like the pastor, I don't know if we're allowed to say names. I've already, I've already said things. So you go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, so pastor Mark would like say something and I'd be like, Oh, why is that? And then, like, I remember getting, like, sometimes very, like, reactive. And so if my friend was next to me, I'd, like, look at him, and I'd be like, did you just hear that? Am I tripping? And they'd be like, no, 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 no. I get, I'm picking up what you're putting down, too. And I'm like, Smell okay. what you're stepping in. Uh, yeah. 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 And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm not tripping. And I remember even doing it to, like, Jess, like, because I used to sit in, like, the front row. And so, like, he would say something, and I'd, like, look at her, and she'd be like, like just pat my thigh because she's like <laughs> know that I would be like yeah mm, I don't like that. My question is, do these pastors see that happening? Have to. I swear he saw me like all the time. 
I don't, I mean, whenever I preached, I was never really focused on one person, but it could just be me. I was always, it was very much like a blur, like there's people and that's, yeah. that's kind of thing. But, that's you know. Valid. Well, you're supposed to pick three people in the crowd in different spots True. to focus on. Mm. But if you're egotistical, I mean, who knows? Yeah, in fact. <laughs> I don't know. I always felt like he was looking at me and sometimes I feel like he could tell when I, when, because not only, because I was a brat, like not only would I, it like in my mind, but I would physically react. So if he said something I didn't like, I'm slumping down in my seat. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I stepped away from Mike. I would slump down in my seat and just not really listen anymore. And I make it known that I don't give a shit what he's saying. Do you ever think your reactions are like way more noticeable than you thought initially? Like, what do you mean? Like he says something and in your head, you're like, mm, okay. But like out loud, you're like, <laughs> 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 sometimes, well, sometimes. Well, we, we did the same thing. We, we eventually, like, especially towards the end, we just started sitting in the back because we, uh, we knew that our facial expressions would probably be seen by him. Uh, and so we were afraid it might get picked up. Yeah, and so, like, I sat next to you guys, and so he would always look over there. Mm-hmm. And so I had a feeling he would notice it. And so I'd just be like, yeah. I don't give a shit. I'm a little... I would have just sat right next to a camera. <laughs> and, like, anytime he says it, like... pull off a gym. Turn and look <laughs> at the camera, like... <laughs> Do you believe this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I should have, but, like, it was just... That was when it kind of all started. And it was very bizarre to me. And then going to church camp and hearing some of, like, the crazy things that they would say. Just, oh, my, like, and I know it was a lot of the times to try and, like, get an emotional reaction out of us kids. A hundred percent. But, like, I guess I was just so, could be all the childhood trauma, but I felt like my mature, quote-unquote, brain would, like, recognize that and be like, you're just trying to kind of prey on all of us. You would think so, but it's done in a different way. True. And half the time you don't even notice until later. Like Rich Wilkerson Jr., when he came, I remember like feeling that message with every fiber of my being Mm -hmm. and like crying and blah, 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 blah. And like they would like prey on like your family trauma. I think I was there for that. Probably. He came two years in a row. I was there for one of them. I know that much. Yeah. Um, And like the way they like prey on that trauma of yours just really like gets you going and so you're just like ah they get it they understand Mm -hmm. they don't they don't and this is a well-scripted message (laughs) and so you don't realize until like years down the line that like hmm they were just trying to make you feel special but it really doesn't make you feel special when you look at it in retrospect because you're like ah trauma (laughs) yeah the thing that gets me with people like that is i I feel like some of them truly want to make you feel special. Like they, they mm. truly care. They, they believe what they're saying. They think what they're doing is the right thing, but it's because it happened to them. Yeah. They were indoctrinated and they never questioned it or they never got to the point of questioning where it would like prevent them from doing it to someone else. Mm. Yeah. It's something that I'm still unpacking because there are pastors that like Judah Smith, he was always my favorite that he would, he, yeah. he didn't have notes. Like, he always spoke away. So I always felt very connected to that. Like, okay, he f- feels like he's sharing something. And for me, like, they asked me to preach, I think, once there. Mm. And, you know, I'm not saying that I wasn't, didn't have trauma or didn't have bad toxic theology, but I always had good intentions, I think. Mm-hmm. So, but what's been really hard for me is the past 10 years of seeing these pastors, one after another, have signs of, 
not just toxic theology, but abuse and things like that. Well, Matt Chandler, Carl Lentz, Brian Houston, these other guys that we looked up to. And it's like, oh, I thought they had good intentions. Did they? Or yeah. were they, were they, you know, were they tricking themselves or yeah. was it deliberate? Because at least in my circle, it wasn't deliberate, but you know, who it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I'm still trying to like get through because I'm currently feel like I currently feel like I'm in a state where I'm just angry. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, I hate that I endured all of that. And so I'm just like, ah. but then I'm like, ah, oh, grateful because like I met really cool people and I got closer with really cool people. But anyways, moving on. Um, so that was like most of high school, not most, all of high school. Um, and then college, I attended a Christian, uh, Southern Baptist <laughs> university. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Um, you sure did. <laughs> I sure did. And so if you didn't know, um, when you attend a Christian university, you probably have to go to chapel or things of that nature. And you have to take things like old Testament and new Testament. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> I think I got really lucky when it came to those classes, those two classes, particularly because I had a really great professor who we never took tests. Hmm. And I th- did we have quizzes? I don't even think we had quizzes. Um, but it was a discussion class. Mm. He gave us space to discuss and to like ask questions and make it a comfortable space yeah. for people to ask anything that didn't make sense to them mm. when we were reading. And so I had taken New Testament first. And so that was really fun. Obviously, I knew a lot more about New Testament than I did the Old Testament. So when it came to Old Testament, I was really dreading that class. And so this was a different semester. And so um, I was in that class, and we were reading things like, you know, like Genesis, and blah, 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 whatever all the old books are. I'm going to be real with you. I barely read the Bible. <laughs> like, I've read it, but it's all been, like, very surface level. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but <laughs> we'll unpack that later. So this is all of my college stuff from Bible school on Bible 101, uh, Bible yeah. 201, Bible 301. Explain to the uh, 401. Uh, the audio audience what you're talking about. So I went to a Bible college as well, mm. and I still have all of my papers and all of my research stuff. It's all right here in this folder on my computer. <laughs> and... It it just now clicked for me that a lot of the stuff that I learned may or may not have been taught by someone who was highly unqualified. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my teacher made us do papers instead of tests. And I don't think I ever got less than an A on a paper, but I'm also realizing now that I don't think my professor ever <laughs> actually read my papers. Mm. I think it was more like, hey, just turn this stuff in. Did you turn it in? Here's an A. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm very glad I had a professor who did care. Yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah. um, (laughs) He was super cool. He's this really, I don't know if I want to say his name. I don't think I'm going to say his name. Um, Really cool old guy. Loved him. Like, and I remember talking to him about things that I would see at Grace and being like, hey, there's this like crazy shit going on right now. Can I get your opinion on that? And he would tell me, and he'd be like, yeah, I don't don't think that's really great. Yeah. Um, and um, so, like, in a specific instance of that, um, it was when head pastor's son 
took over the young adult program and was preaching to us. Mm -hmm. And um, he started talking about his what he thinks heaven is like. But the way he preached it made it seem like it was factual. Like, that is what heaven is like. Uh, you get that a lot. And it was horrifying. Yeah. Because I remember sitting there and being like, you should not so most, be saying this. Most of the Bible's descriptions of heaven are apocalyptic in nature in the sense that it's not supposed to be directly interpreted as mm. 100% truth. Like, it's all symbols and metaphors and things right. like that. But people preach it like it's, yeah. like it's actually exactly like that. Yeah. And then they come up with their own preconceived notions based on that. And yes. they teach that as fact, too. Yes. That's problematic. Because that that's not just the heaven discussion no 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 yeah and that is exactly what occurred and so i remember talking to my professor about that and i remember him just kind of like looking at me and being like right <laughs> is he did he go to seminary and i was like no and he's like oh <laughs> that makes sense okay um so it just yeah. kind of made it worse but something and so i know we kind of talked about it earlier with the idea of like going to seminary and stuff but a lot of these like professors the the Christian studies professors at my college, um, they all obviously went to seminary, like theological school or whatever it's called. And, but they never in class would make it seem like we couldn't ask questions mm. or we didn't have a space where we could ask questions. And they never forced their own beliefs on us. At least that's what I like. That's what you felt. Felt. And so that was always really nice because I would meet students who were very Christian and very, um, like, I guess you can say conservative, like, yeah. in their beliefs. And they would even complain about how they felt the professors were too liberal. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I don't think they're liberal enough, actually. May I say something to that? Mm. It, it is very interesting because that's the whole mindset with Christians today, or a lot of Christians today, is that going to college is indoctrination. Mm. And it's funny because I had the same experience when I first went to school. And I wasn't even like theology. I just went, I was doing a teacher history degree. Oh, like you. Yeah. Uh, and I had to take OT and New Testament too. I didn't have to, but I chose to. And I remember just feeling so liberated to like, just think differently. Yeah. And ask differently. And I just remember it being such a, like a weight lifted off when I went into that classroom because it was like, oh, I can just ask whatever I want. And there's no force. And it's interesting to see how you felt so much liberated in a place where there was higher education yeah. than you were at a place where it's a house of worship, but there wasn't a lot of higher education yeah. within the leadership. Very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, genuinely. And so I think that's why I always wanted to ask my, more specifically my Old Testament, New Testament professor, um, his thoughts, because he had also been a pastor for years, the okay. old guy. So he had also been a pastor for a very long time. But um, I never attended his church, but there was never a second where, like, he made me feel judged whenever I asked a question or anything of that nature. Yeah. And so when it came to stuff like that, that was when I had felt like, oh, that's that's God's love. Like, that's Jesus. Yeah. Trying to, like, help others understand. And then you would obviously have students in the class who'd be like, no, dude, that's what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. I don't agree with that being taught how that was. Yeah. Um, coming with an agenda. Coming with, it, yeah. It, it's that, pre, it's that pre, um, pre-assumption of what you think the Bible is. I think it's what you guys were talking about earlier. It's yeah. just 
once you have that indoctrination, it's, it's that unlearning is harder. Mm-hmm. Unlearning is harder. And there was like, I forget which, what's the story with the salt pillars? Oh, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, the, no. Lot's yeah. wife. Yeah, Lot's wife. And um, the, who was taken in to be, wasn't his, his daughter? He put his daughter oh, in the house. You're talking about like so the angels came to visit and the crowd wanted to rape and do all that stuff. Yeah. And then he offered up his daughter to yes. be yeah. his two virgin daughters. Yes. Right. Mind you. Both of them. Yes. I read that when I was a sophomore and that has still stuck with me. Because I remember going over it in class and being like, Hey, Doc, <laughs> what the f- what is this? And he was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's pretty tough stuff that they used to do. One of my favorite things is when people, like, they're trying to ban books or something like that. And oh, somebody yeah. will come up and be like, yeah, there's a book in the library right now where this guy, like, sacrifices his two virgin daughters for an entire city to rape. And they're like, oh, we need to ban that book. He's like, cool. That's the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right, You're taking on. that out of context. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Bro. Yeah. So that was just like a crazy experience. And then, so then this is when it starts to go downhill again. So it was like, it went up Um, first two years of college. COVID happened, blah, 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 whatever. So then that was when everything started to go downhill. Um, Because at the institution itself is when I would see people not showing God's love or Jesus's love or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and they were very judgmental people. Um, they would make you feel guilty for not being that stereotypical white Christian girl on campus. And like, you know, the type that ones with the chacos and the hydro flasks <laughs> and the stickers all over them and the running shorts, big t-shirts kind of go. Um, and so that was just when I would like see things and I was like, Hmm this doesn't feel very Christian anymore. (laughs) And I think um, now that I'm graduated, I have, I I don't want to say rock bottom, but it was definitely like a slope, like a shoot, like on a ladder, uh, not a ladder, um, a slide. And it was just like, and I'm just kind of like flying through right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just like, I'm out of there. And so now I can like feel free to like talk about my own, thoughts a lot more yeah i was I can't take that degree back now can you right no genuinely <laughs> i can't take it back um it's mine and so i paid for it it is mine <laughs> and oh biggest thing that happened to me in college was coming out um woo. with my sex woo, <laughs> sexual, blah, 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 whatever um and I being <laughs> yeah. and being like oh Wow, maybe all these years I have really liked women. Um, and to clarify, I do like all genders or whatever. No gender. I don't give a shit. Like people. That's my thing. Yeah. And what's funny is when I've told all the people how I am, everybody's been like, no, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's that's tracking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's. <laughs> oh, cool. Good for you then. Um, Didn't we already know this? Yeah. <laughs> um, my sister did, apparently. She told me, and I remember her telling me in middle school all the time. She's like, Harley, I know you like girls. <laughs> just say it already. And I was just like, I don't like did girls. Did she know, or is that just an older sibling thing to do, though? I don't know, because she was the only one of my siblings that did it. Mm. And so I'm curious if she, like, knew, or maybe she was, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we 
We're not going to get into it. There's another episode. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was like another thing um, in college. And then let's see, where else? So yeah, currently been out of church. Oh, while I was still in college, I was doing leadership at my old church, um, adult leadership. Then I f- came out with my sexuality. It got passed around. They were going to kick me out. And then I was like, ah, deuces, I'm going <laughs> to do it for you. <laughs> um, so I guess that was just kind of like the selling point. Were you being paid? No. Okay. I was not. Because if you're being paid and somebody's going to fire you, I always say just make them fire you. Because mm-hmm. then they have to give you severance. Yeah. If you quit, they don't have to do that. But also, isn't it like illegal to do that based off of sexuality? Oh, 100%, but not in a church. It's a really? Gray, it's a gray area, depending oh. on the state and the church and yeah. all that. Yeah, like any other business. Crazy dog. Which, you know, we'll get into the business side of church right, at a later right. date. But that, that's always been one of those things that bothers me. Oh, me yeah. too. Me too. And I've always been like, wait, churches don't get taxed? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, how are people working for the church if it's supposed to be nonprofit? I don't compute. Yeah, and, as, None. A, and as, a, as a clergy member, I would get tax breaks because of it. Yeah. I remember going to buy things for the church a lot of times because whatever pastor was busy at the moment. So they would send us out. They would just give us like this little card, tax exempt card. Yep. So yeah. anytime you go to the church, you just you buy your thing from Walmart or whatever. You hand them the card. They scan the card and tax exempt. That is crazy. Yeah. So that was also another thing that never sat right with me. The idea of um, a church being for profit. Um but then it was also like I understood people had to make a living. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so that's always been like a weird thing for me. Um, I guess that's really it off the top of my dome. Um, it was. I'm still young and I'm still learning. Um, my biggest thing has been since I was in high school, I've always been interested in other religions um, just because of being like a history major, like you, even in general history classes, you learn about different religions, like you have to, that's the curriculum. Um, but I always felt I took an interest to it. Um, just because I was like, oh, well, how can all of these people have very similar beliefs, but they're all different. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I took my world religions class in college, um, that really, like solidified that it was like, Oh, we are all way too similar (laughs) to be fighting and being judgmental of other people's religions and saying what is right and what is wrong. So that was another thing that has never sat right with me. Um, and so I just, I also started getting into things like, um, when I was a sophomore, I started getting into like tarot Mm. and, um, witchy stuff. Um, yeah so that was always really fun and then i remember telling some of my friends at the church about it and they'd be like oh (laughs) sinner and i was just they're like you're a witch you can't do that you you believe in god you can't do witchcraft and i was like first of all it's not witchcraft if it's used correctly me being a little silly harley it it do be witchcraft (laughs) it do be witchcraft witchcraft. Um, but i was just like i feel like ever since then it in college, it felt like I was in a rebellious state of trying to, like, figure out church. And then, like, being at a Christian college, it was so difficult to be able to express that. 
and now that I'm out, I'm just kind of in this like limbo state. Mm. I like it. Where yeah. it's just like, oh, now I can do whatever I want. <laughs> for, mm. for sake of argument, um, I found my course requirements for my degree. Interpreting the Bible was one. Interpreting the Bible? Manners and customs of Bible times. Foundations of theology. Old Testament overview. New Testament overview. Old Testament broken down into each category. The books of Moses, historical books, books of the prophets, uh, four gospels and acts, and then church history. All of that was all part of Bible 101 through uh, (laughs) through 404. Way down here in my optional courses... World religions. Uh, yeah. Of course it was optional. So, right. I, and you better believe I took that class. <laughs> yeah. I care. I wanted to learn. Uh, but that's just one of those things like they, they really kind of focus you on things that they want you to focus on. Yeah. Indoctrination. Yeah. It's like there's a word for it. Right? <laughs> so crazy. And then what's funny to me is when um, people use indoctr- indoctrination when it comes to Public school. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. want our kids indoctrinated with your gay agenda. Sir, I just happen to be gay. I'm teaching them <laughs> science. My, my, <laughs> this is biology. Your son asked if my wife and I went to dinner, and I told him, no, my husband and I did. That's not indoctrinating your yeah. kid into being gay. That's just me being who I am. Yeah. yeah. You're the one indoctrinating your kid. Into not being that. So yeah. let's talk about that. Um yeah. That's, that's going to backfire. Yeah. Um, oh, one more thing that definitely sold me on like the, oh, something's not sitting right in my brain when it comes to Christianity is canons. Um, like the can- canon of the Bible? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I thought yeah. you meant like on a pirate ship. No. That too. I mean, I guess. Explain. <laughs> you too? <laughs> Chris is like, oh my God, someone else. It makes sense. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Um, no, yeah. The... Um, the canons of the Bible yeah. were like, I didn't know that until I got to college. I didn't know that was a thing, that people could just pick and choose what books of the Bible were going to be in there. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, like, when you actually start learning history, like, about, like, your faith, it's like, oh, it's not always been this way. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't just God gave you the literal Bible, or it's like, yeah. oh. But we were taught that, that it was basically yeah. that. yeah. And so, to what's that? All of Christianity believed that abortion was a right and a right. duty yeah. at, at one point recently, like up until the seventies. Yeah, uh, and then also like church history rise. You know this, um, the whole idea that most, like literally, if you worked in the church, you were not supposed to have a family yeah, or yeah, get yeah. married ever. Whoever you were, nobody. Yep, didn't matter. Huh. Fuck that one up, <laughs> didn't we? That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then they did it anyway. Oh, don't even get me started on church history. The, I feel it's like so that, no, that line, that line right there is all of Christianity. And then they did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that is how our church is what it is today. Yeah. Right. Like this was a rule put in place and then they did it and anyway. Did it anyway. Yeah. This is what Jesus said not to do. And then they did it anyway. Well, it's, it's the, it's the moving of the goalpost is, well, we're breaking this rule because if we don't, then right. These guys are going to overtake us, or yeah. or this is going to happen, and so it's always bending that rule, moving the goalpost, and make because that's exactly what's happening. And they're okay in with that. Today. They're okay with that. Like it very clearly says, don't have a wife or kids or family or any of that stuff. But they're not okay moving the goalposts if somebody's gay, right? Mm. Yeah. And then another big identity thing. politics. That's all it is. Another big thing is the fights between denominations. Oh yeah, that freaking blows my mind. 
blows me through a cannon. <laughs> so I, it was the cannon. Yeah, it does. It ties back to the cannons. It always does. It, I just, it always ties back to the like, cannons. Catholicism is the original foundation of like, um, what is the word? Um, church. The structure of like Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How the church is supposed to work. It was Catholicism. Right. And then they were like, oh. Screw you. We're going to do it differently. I'm going to nail some stuff to your wall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I think of your church. (laughs) And there's 95 of them. I got 95 problems and the church is one. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's just mind boggling to me. But it's not only is it like um, it's us versus them. It's an us versus us problem. Pick one. Pick one. Yeah. Pick up. Pick a well, pick a struggle, please. There's a there's a meme on all social media. It's like the Simpsons uh, scene with the Scottish dude yelling yeah. out of the window. He's like, uh, the the what was it? The Anglican Church ruined Catholicism, and also Hindus ruined Catholicism, <laughs> and Muslims ruined Catholicism, and Catholics <laughs> ruined Catholicism. <laughs> Damn Catholics! Literally, like yeah. that. That was the whole thing. Ah. Oh my God. The Simpsons, they stay having it right. They're right on point. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's it. Been out the church for a year and some change. Currently marinating in a limbo state and hating everything. I, I think I, I'm in my, <laughs> I my anger that. phase, I think. I'm going to I'm gonna tell you something from my personal experience. That anger phase does not go away. Ah, oh, cool. I feel like I'm maybe on the latter end of it, but every once in a while I'm like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so <laughs> it, it was explained to me like this. Grief and anger is, it's a ball inside mm. of your life, which is a box. Yeah. And you have a button inside that box that triggers responses, anger, mm. yeah. tears, whatever. And that ball starts off really big. So it's hitting that button every time the box jostles a little bit. Right. Yeah. But eventually the ball gets smaller. So it's bouncing around, and it's not hitting the button every time, but it's still hitting Sometimes. the button every now and then. That ball never goes away. Yeah. It just gets smaller. It just gets smaller and smaller. So cool. eventually, like, it's not going to hit the button as often, but it'll still hit the button. That's a good point. It's a good analogy. Yeah. And that is from therapy. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. One of those things I started after I left the church because Hell Jesus yeah. was not all I needed to stop my depression. Mm, oh. Let's not get into that. Oh, God. That's a whole thing. Well, thank you, Harley, for sharing all that. You're welcome. I think I'm definitely in, like, not only is it anger, but it's also, like, guilt, mm. I think. Oh, yeah, that doesn't go away either. No. Yeah, yeah. and st- because then you have conversations with people who are still religious, and you're like, oh, I get that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you start kind of short-circuiting, where it's just like... It's like half of you is like, no, I understand where you're coming from. The other half of you is like, screw everything. Right. Yeah. Driving past a church on Sunday morning, and you're like, oh, wow, kind of miss... Sometimes, no. you pull, <laughs> sometimes you want to pull in. Sometimes yeah. you want to throw something at it. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's very mixed feelings. I and I am quite jealous, though, of... Because I, I, we had friends, too, like, who kind of went through all this very early. And like, I wish I would have, like, I feel like I wasted a lot of my 20s with mm. just religion. Like, not, you know what I'm saying, but, like, just the religious mindset of being stuck in everything. Yes, right. 100%. Like, it's like, I wish I would have had this freedom to explore and to understand my faith in a deeper Younger. way. And so um, I'm quite jealous of you because you're you're young and you're, I mean, you're only 10 years younger than us, but 
it helps having people who are basically your older siblings that just get to do it with you. Like you guys. You said 10 years younger, and I keep forgetting you are 10 years younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 22. We're getting old. Or no, it's like nine uh, years. Eight, nine. Yeah, years. it's close. Yeah. Yeah. I rounded Still. up. 42 <laughs> years. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> In the neighborhood of 180. <laughs> close to 200 years younger than us. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least one. Chris, you're up next, man, and you have two minutes to do everything. I'm kidding. <laughs> I can do it. All right, so um, <laughs> what, what has happened to you in a year? In the past year, um, I don't really think too much has changed because my deconstruction process had already a, been occurring for a few years when we started doing the series. Yeah. So not a whole lot has changed. Um, I did start going to therapy regularly, and then I had to fire my therapist. Um, I have a new therapist, Woo. though, that's starting pretty soon. Um, Do you want to talk about that? No, I don't. Okay, that's fine. But fun. anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, um, all of that to be said, I am now on medication for my mental illnesses. Woo! Uh, ooh, ooh, one ooh, ooh, one ooh, or two ooh. of them, two, two or three, three, three of them. <laughs> I'm on medication for three of my mental illnesses because three of them are depression. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking oh. medication now, which is... <laughs> almost unheard of in evangelical oh, churching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you're taking medication for a mental illness, like you are ostracized because yeah. Jesus is all you need. Yeah. It's, so that's, that's a thing that I'm doing now. It's, it's viewed as like, you are not depending enough on Jesus. Like you're not putting enough faith into Jesus, yeah. which always boggled my mind because like I'm giving everything I have. Why is why that is it not, not going enough? Away? Like yeah. why, why am I still diabetic? Yeah. Like, you don't have enough faith to heal your diabetes. Well, what what am I doing wrong? Where am I supposed to get more faith? Because right. it is what it is. And yeah. that's, you know, diabetes has a physical thing. So when it's a mental illness, it's even more so your fault. Right. Because there's no reason you should be depressed. Everything's fine, you know? Yeah. You control your thoughts kind of thing. <sighs> like I said, it it's a box with a button. And sometimes that ball still hits the button. Yeah. That just happened for me. Um, and I knew it was going to happen. We're talking about deconstruction. It, you're, you're basically just shaking the box <laughs> as hard as you can right now. So the ball is going to hit the button. Perfect. Um, but that, not a whole lot has changed. Like I said, from the past year, um, I think some of my viewpoints have updated a little bit. So for example, I still believe in God, Jehovah, um, Yahweh, whatever you want to call him. But there are definitely other gods out there in my opinion. Mm. And I, I'm not entirely against learning about them and seeing where that goes. Um, I definitely think there is more than one heaven just because, I mean, kind of like the MCU. Yeah. Kind of set up like that. Like there's, there's a lot of TikTokers that do, do videos like that. And I, I really like one, um, she does Hell's Bells. I can't remember her name on TikTok right now, but the series is called Hell's Bells, and it basically focuses on the help desk in hell. Mm. Oh, I know. What you're there's about. a woman, um, a couple of human women, angels, demons, um, a non-binary shark person that they all work <laughs> the, the help desk, and anytime somebody comes in and complains, they're like, all right, well, either they're going to help that person because they are genuinely in the wrong spot, or they're going to send them where they need to go in hell. Right. 
but they have their own paradises and there's different heavens for each pantheon and they can visit different people's stuff. I like that thought process. Yeah. Um, I don't believe there's a hell. No. I thought I was the only one. I was like, how, how, how can we be forgiven for all of our sins and still go to hell? Yeah. How the fuck does that make sense? No, yeah. I, I used to, and I think the last time we did this, I was on the fence about that. Like, I don't know if there's out I, there's definitely not a hell in my opinion, um, which, and I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, here's, here's living. Yeah, I'm living in hell right now, so I know there is one. Um, here's an update. I don't think Satan is a bad dude. So my problem is the, I the put... deceiver. Well, no, that's, that's no, whole no, no, thing. no, 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 not not the deceiver. Satan comes from Hasatan, which is the adversary, not the deceiver. See, and that's been another the, thing that I learned in the adversary college. worked for God. Yeah. The reason he was able to go challenge Job is because he worked for God. He was in heaven talking to God. Yeah. That's his whole job. God created him to do that. Yeah. I think our understanding of Satan is very wrong. Um, Isn't there like Satan, the devil, um, the the all the other names? The enemy, the prince of darkness. And half the time the they're all different. Well, the thing is, is just like the word hell, is they took one word and they put so much Make more it. meaning on it. Oh. Yeah. And so the deceiver, um, the other word you used, is, that was like one of the things. But then they equate, oh, well, that was that must have been the snake at the beginning of Genesis. And it never says that. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. <sighs> so that's, that's the thing. Um, magic is real. It has two sides. And it's way easier to tap into than people think. Uh-huh. Um, all of religion is witchcraft, in my opinion. It just <laughs> oh yeah yeah bro look I mean look it, bur- it, burning, you read through the Old Testament you see it everywhere burning yeah. sage um, worshiping on altars in different ways the stones on um, the, the breastplates. stones on the breastplates yeah. like it's all it's all the sacrifices that they had to do yeah and if you're like well we don't do sacrifices anymore it's because God Himself sacrificed <laughs> His own Son how is that not witchcraft yeah um, you also, are cleansed by the blood what that yeah. that is witchcraft communion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially if you're Catholic, like you eat a, a wafer and drink wine, and in your mouth it becomes the body and the blood of Christ. That is witchcraft. You yeah. are eating a person. See the problem. What? The problem is again identity politics. Is we have adapted this word witchcraft to mean something completely different that it would never was in historical context. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, it is everywhere in the Old Testament, and we practice it. Yeah. <laughs> You you practice that in many different levels. What they called witchcraft was something different, or what they called witches was not what you think of it today. It's very different. If you yeah. have ever prayed for anyone or anything, you have manifested. Yeah. <gasps> oh, oh so, yeah. So one of uh, one of my son's friends, um, I think I don't, and truly I don't even remember which one. I was going to leave his name out of it, but I don't remember which friend it was. <laughs> uh, but he was hanging out with his friend's family. And the dad said something like, I don't understand manifesting. I can't manifest chocolate cake. It's like, but bro, you pray all the time. <laughs> yeah, You can pray for a chocolate cake or manifest chocolate cake. Either way, if you just get up and go get some chocolate cake, like you manifested it. Yeah. You prayed for it. You wanted it. You got it. That's what it is. It Manifesting and praying is the same thing. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's all witchcraft to me. Um, they also use it in the dumbest examples. Yeah. Like chocolate cake. Would you, you would you pray head. for chocolate cake too? Right. Yeah. No, you're gonna pray for like I don't know your body to heal. 
or yeah. somebody else to heal. Yeah. Or I don't know. Manifesting just goodness. All manifesting <laughs> is is praying without a direct um like saying I am praying to God yeah, or saying no statement. I'm manifesting. Well, that's why I really liked um oh, what was the movie? Was it uh Exodus? Uh, the one with uh, Christian Bale about Moses and yeah, yeah of course they were Christian Bale yeah White Moses White Moses uh, but <laughs> what I did like about that movie was it kind of gave like a physical representation of what could have happened and I don't think the Exodus the, the story is real the, yeah yeah but it, it was interesting it's like well if God was like actual interacting with all this he could have done it that way he could have done it to where there was a ton of blood because the alligators ate a bunch of things and it made the river red and all these different things that were scientific explanations for it It it's like if you can believe in that the spiritual thing happened you can believe in the physical things around you that you don't have answers for Um, i do i am more evidence-based but at least you can have that explanation or at least that of what i'm trying to say if you can believe in these supernatural things of like the bible then what's any different. There was yeah. a burning yeah. bush, guys. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? I think Moses <laughs> might have been burning some bush. To talking donkey, <laughs> you know, right? All these things. Uh. Um, yeah. So, like I said, magic has two sides. Um, lighter and darker doesn't really matter where it's coming from, but it's way easier to tap into. It's all witchcraft. You're. Um, <laughs> I think the Bible should include the Apocrypha. <gasps> yeah. And aside from the Apocrypha, uh, there is, like, other... Um, Enoch and... Yeah, like the the Book of Enoch and all of that stuff. Enoch, yeah. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember. But I, I've read uh, some of those books as well because I've read the Bible cover to cover and then obviously studied it as well on top of that. But I've read some of the other books that were left out of the Bible. Or, the canons or whatever? Yeah, changed in canon, whatever have you. I think all the information to, should be available to everyone, Yeah, mm-hmm. not specific groups of people. Yeah. And... Taking information out is just as bad as being the fake news media that you guys claim to hate. Oof. You know, it's really interesting when you were talking about Canon earlier, Harley, how, like, even when people use the excuse, like, well, because I've heard this when I was learning about Canon, it's like, well, they, no one actually believed it was Canon or that it was super these things. Like, there were some, but it eventually just kind of went out of style. But, like, even then, that proves a point that there was a choice made. Yeah. yeah. That, Ooh. oh, we don't feel this anymore. That's still a choice that didn't come directly from, like, Right, a, an angel or something like that is still human choosing whether that's included or not. Right. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, especially if there was a debate about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which there always was. It if you're <laughs> if you think it's like directly from God, why is there then a debate? Why is he not telling literally everyone involved in that decision the same thing? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's all. Um, so I believe that all the information should be available to everybody, and then people should be able to make their own decisions, which is how I'm going to raise my daughter. Um, it's a little, little late for us to get to Tyler, but he's on the right path now. Uh, but <laughs> Ellie is going to have all of the information available to her, and she can make her own decision on what she believes. And finally, tax the churches. Preach it. We already said it. Yeah. I'll say it again, tax the churches. I used to think, you know, well, churches still do this, this, and this. They don't – they shouldn't have to pay taxes. But no, 100% because – They get out. The, the churches I was involved in do a lot of good for sure. And the churches that I still – would be involved in had I made the decision to stick with church, do a lot of good. Yeah. But it is not enough to justify not paying taxes. And I think paying taxes is the ultimate good a church can do Mm. because that money goes to the people that need it. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that the government that they're under is doing the right thing, of course, which also that's a separate issue. Yep. I agree. So, 
I think that's all the update for now. Um, and of course, I don't think I said this at the beginning of the episode, but we're going to have three, four episodes of this. And so we're, there's some other topics that we're going to yeah, deep we'll, dive we'll into. Yeah, we'll get into more detail later. Yeah. Some other stuff. Well, Chris, thank you for that. Good, sir. You are a gentleman and a scholar. You just get scared by the balloon? Not scared, but I keep like <laughs> it keeps moving, and I keep thinking there's a person there. There's uh, a balloon that Chris got me for my birthday. It's over in the corner. It's behind his shoulder, so I'm, <laughs> I can imagine. Every, every time I see it like move, I'm like, oh, is Jess home? No, it's just a balloon. Uh, all right, so for me, I'm going to try to keep this short. Chris, you, you're happy, right? There's only like five bullet points. Yeah, I'm. I, like I said, not a whole lot's changed. My deconstruction process happened. No, I meant for me, though. Oh, like, for there, you? There's not, much, there's not that much notes for me. Bro, what are you talking about? There's not that many notes. You went way further into detail in these notes. Because I need I need to word it out. All right. Anyways. <laughs> for me, uh, let's just talk about the general surface stuff. Friendships have definitely changed. Um, relationship dynamics have definitely changed because yeah. this because last year was the first time that I said a lot of the things that were in my brain. So it so was a lot of those changes happened immediately after. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a lot of conversations Sorry. about <laughs> a lot of conversations about again. It's like oh well, you've been hurt by the church, and like that doesn't mean you should not go to church or those kind of, uh, alluding to those kind of things. And it's like it's not just that it's. Yes, people in the church hurt me, but that it's is also not ideologies what ideologies and stuff. Right. There's thousands of stories of people leaving a church to go to a different church because they were hurt at that church. My parents yeah. were one of those people. That's not my whole story. Like I, I know better than that. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's some friendships that have grown distant and there's some that have stayed pretty decently close. There's some people that I really admire and Love and there's actually some relationships that have grown deeper because I was honest about what I'm thinking and what I'm believing. And um, as you mentioned earlier, I think Chris, there were some people that you know spoke out to us saying, "Well, thank you for saying these things." I don't know a lot of Christians that say these things. Yeah. Um. So it's been both weird and good and bad and kind of all of the above. Uh, I think I said earlier, I kind of I really embrace uncomfortable learning more and more, um, even if they're coming from places that I normally wouldn't care to listen to including things on the right. Uh, I do try to keep my ear on the ground on both sides of the spectrum, though I do have a certain difference level of respect. <laughs> um, but I do try my best because I think I don't want to get stuck in fundamentalism in either direction. Yeah. Um, now, most of my beliefs and ideas still kind of lean more left, but I, I do, there is moments where I'll be looking at listening to something that does come from left. Like, yeah, that's, that's not right. Like that's bullshit or whatever. And so I, I'm proud of myself when I have those moments. It's like, okay, I'm at least not just being ingrained into one ideology. Um, okay. Different ideas. Um, Chris, you're talking about multiple gods. I think I might be on the spectrum on the other side where I think if there is anything different other than the one God of the universe, I think I'm more on the leaning side if there isn't anything at all. Like, I think I'm more leaning on the atheism side of things, or agnostic. Um, I think if there are multiple gods, I think we would have had more chaos, kind of like what we see in Greek mythology and stuff like that more often. So, so yeah, I, I fully understand that viewpoint. Just in my opinion with the other gods, they're not as powerful as we think. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. If, if that's, to me, like, even when it comes to, like, spirituality— and like witchcraft and you know the lunar cycles and all these different things, I have become very, um, I don't know, materialistic is the right word, but just more 
I don't know. I, I become more skeptical about everything. Or substance based. Yeah. Like you need the physical proof. Right. I, I need that a little bit more often these days is I need to see, okay, where'd you get your work from? Where where do you see that? No, I'm not saying that means I am not still a believer in a divine thing in the universe, but you know, it depends on the Friday. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, on one Friday I could be like, you know, I still think there's a God of the universe and I, I definitely don't believe he's what I grew up believing. But then like on that Saturday, but like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of, I don't know. Tim changes his viewpoints every Friday. Yeah. At 6 p.m. (laughs) Sometimes he changes his viewpoint on God. Sometimes it's his viewpoint on soccer. Yeah. Right. Who knows? Uh, So, yeah, I say that to say that it it really has to become a little bit more evidence driven with anything. Like, I I just, show me the work. Show me, show me your. so funny. It's like the complete opposite of like Christianity. How we were told like, oh, you don't need to see it to believe it. Yeah. You just have to believe, and you're just like, all right. <laughs> well, I think the reason why okay. is because there's so many things that we were led to believe as absolute truth yeah. that if you just look at church history, if you look at Christian history, if you just look at the Bible itself, it's like, oh, that's not the way it is. Yeah. And it's not like a, a dig at Christianity. It's just, I think we mentioned this last year with the Bible episode, is we made out the Bible to be something that it was never trying to be. Mm-hmm. It, it the Bible never set it never sets itself up on that pedestal. We yeah. set it up there. We yep. we made it something that it was never designed to be. You have people like Paul and Peter who in the New Testament are debating about what is the true Christian way, and it's like, wait a second. I thought they were trying to tell us what is true. It's it's like they were even debating about what is moral or what is right or wrong. I often wonder like if if Paul came to came came back to life today and like read the bible would he be like bro i just wrote this letter to like <laughs> three people in corinth what just, do you do i was just venting <laughs> yeah like, yeah i never got bit by a snake that never <laughs> happened what what <laughs> yeah yeah so anyways I, I just um all right next thing uh anger and pain that's one of the things that we were talking about earlier about people assume that I am this way because of anger or pain. And there are still some levels of that. But what I've learned, though, is that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to have that anger drive you to say something. Because that's one of the things that I've been told several times is that they feel like I still have a lot of anger built up, and that's why I'm speaking up against church or against church leaders or whatever. It's like, well, not because of what's happened to me, but more so what's happening to others is that there's not a level of justice that's – not happening, whether yeah. it's people of color, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's mm-hmm. a whole list of things. And so every once in a while, yeah, I do get angry. And yeah, I do want to speak up and maybe curse and and criticize church leadership because it's not working. And that's the whole mindset. It's like there's so many things that Christians say that the church should just take control of, like whether it's healthcare, It's like whether it's – because it's funny you're talking about the, the tax thing. It's like, well, the church should be able to – help out people it should be it should be the community service thing it's like how long have we had christian churches in america and it's not there like you say these things but it's not doing it yeah tax, like taxing give me, give me churches a- taxing churches themselves just at a a minimal amount would be able to cover medicare for all right my just they're <sighs> everywhere it, it's it's if to me it's so mind-boggling it's like well if that's the answer then why aren't you doing it you're tax-free right now what is the what is the holdup? Yeah, why why can't the you feed the homeless? Why can't free you do- is because they're supposed to be using that money for the community right. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all they're, they're all not. these things that Christians say that the church should be in charge of, like what's stopping you? 
There's nothing Literally stopping Literally nothing. They can walk into any hospital and just, all right, we're clearing the debt this week. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the reason why I say that is because I have been trying to be careful about what I get angry about and do try to make sure that anger is not consuming me. On the flip side of that, I do want to be angry for the right things because that drives people and that drives change. Yeah. Uh, these big changes that happened in American history didn't happen from just peaceful things. You know, what Martin Luther King Jr. did, yeah, there was peaceful protests, but there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of saying things. There was a lot of things that... Riots are the language of the unheard. Right. There were things that had to happen for, for these things to, to change. And so, uh, regarding the Bible, um, you know, I used to feel guilty for not feeling inspired or, like, moved when I read something. You ever feel like that? Like, well, all the time. Like, I was reading something, I'm like... Why don't I feel anything from this? It just like doesn't resonate with me. And it, it it's you know it's kind of hard to do that when you're reading things from like Chronicles or Ecclesiastes, and <laughs> it's like you expect to have the this book of numbers, right? And again, it just comes back down to me of this is not what it was designed to be. Mm-hmm. It was it was it's people sharing their ideas about a deity or deities. Um, For me, the Bible has become, it's still hopeful to me, and it's still informational to me, and it's still moving in a way, Um, but it's because it doesn't have any chains on it anymore, because I don't have any, and I'm sure sure I still subconsciously do, and I try to break out of that, but I no longer view it as it's strictly this, is I get to learn new things about it, and that can change some things about what I believe in life. Yeah. you know, I've learned a lot from people like Dan McClellan and Pete Enns and Jared Bias, a few other scholars who actually know their stuff about the Bible, who had PhDs that didn't just graduate seminary <laughs> or didn't graduate seminary. Um, the church in general, uh, it's still a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the more it gets close to politics, the worse it gets. Um, I think I was, I don't know if I said this earlier or not, but, you know, every time I want to have hope for the church and the big scope of things, there's another leader showing up as doing something wrong. Carl Lentz, Brian Houston, Matt Chandler just recently. Um, these different things that keep happening that just go, you know what, This I don't think this institution can be saved. Now, I do have hope and faith in smaller churches. Um, right. There are still churches that are, that are inclusive, that do speak truth, that do speak for justice, um, which gives me hope, but as far as like the big church in America, I, I just can't. There's um there was a TikTok I watched recently where somebody had asked uh, Flowbots why their lyrics like are so <laughs> anti-capitalism and blah blah blah, but they still reference God and they still talk about Jesus and all that. And he's like, well, because when I was growing up, um, I went to this real small church in a real small town where I'm from, and we literally like everything Jesus said we did. We took care of the poor, the the yeah. orphans, the widows. We volunteered. We gave food. We provide housing. And I look at the real church and it's not doing that. Yeah. yeah. I look at big churches that have billions of dollars, like way more money than we could ever imagine. And they are doing nothing with it. Yeah. It's like, I still believe that this is the way that we should go. And my church did it, so I'm appreciative of that. Yeah. But I understand why other people are not, because yeah. they don't have that experience. Yeah, I saw a philosophy somewhere online 
where it was talking about church sizes. And it's like, you know, if I were to start a church, if it got to a certain point, I would deliberately try to break it up, like split it. So that way there's power doesn't get involved. There's no pyrodynamics. There's no political influence or whatever involved. It yeah. really forces you to focus on the community that you have. And like that, I could be on board with and something like that is small and intimate. That I'm hundred percent on board with that. That that is meant to only affect a small amount of people, but in the large scheme, it would affect many people. Um, so yeah, church. I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> relatable. Yeah, uh, politics. I I think I've finally reached the point to where I hate Democrats again but not for the same reasons that <laughs> I used yeah. to. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cycle. Like, you start off on the right hating Democrats, and then as you deconstruct, you eventually find your way into being a Democrat. You, you find yourself libertarian first. And then, and then, because yeah. you, you're, you're like, oh, just government should get out of everything. And then, and then you hate Democrats <laughs> again, but for different reasons. Yes, yeah, because they're not doing enough. They're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that thing like, that's where I'm at. What's the difference between a liberal, uh, what was it? What's the difference between a Democrat and a leftist? <laughs> that's where i'm at yeah yeah so you know there's a lot of things that i i don't want to spill it out but there are things that i'm like i just want change i want to see hope and i want to see growth and so if if a party's not providing that then i don't care what they stand for if they're not yeah. actually doing any change then who am i to support them yeah so these radical leftists are not radical enough that's no no and guys that's what i got nice I got more to say in our further subjects, but as far we'll as there. I wanted to do this all in one episode and just be done with it, but Tim doesn't like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to take a very tiny break, and then when we come back, we're going to wrap things up in a tiny, tiny, nice little bow. Nice Woo. little, nice little bow and a sticker. <laughs> right back. everybody we are back 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 today um we are not going to have a very long ending because we wanted to have fan questions and thoughts but it has been eerily quiet Mm -hmm. regarding that so um we want to say we want to include your thoughts questions and stories and so if you're listening if you're watching um please hit us up we have several ways that you can communicate to us you can always just leave comments you can always direct message but you can also um, ask us anonymously. We like we have an option in our link. Yes. Uh, so if you have a question, a thought, if you just want to judge us, whatever, uh, you can do that. Just go to our link, go to our website, and there's an option to get to whether it's a question or whatever to say something, and you don't we don't have to know your name. Yeah. I would prefer not to be judged. Truthfully, that's like my preference is to not. Well, don't point it at Chris. You can point it at me. I think I can take it. Yeah, you can judge. I'll take it. You can judge Tim and Harley. Don't judge me. Okay. I'll, I'm I'll, fragile. <laughs> and if you do judge Chris, I'll probably. I'll fight you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. With my words. <laughs> it's the worst. I feel defended. <laughs> um, so today, we're just going to give some final thoughts to wrap up what, we, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, and we're going to close it out like that. It's going to be really quick and easy, and uh, let's start off with Harley. Um, well, I that was my first time really sharing my like church story ever. Um. I'm sure there's so much more that my brain is blocked out, of course. Oh, 100%. Um, And it's not going to come up until way later in your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's just kind of where we're at right now. Um, 
it's nice to be in a space where I feel comfortable. I feel more comfortable expressing myself ish. I still have other outlying factors like people or a stuff um, <laughs> that I don't feel comfortable doing that yet. But for the most part, I feel pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, it's a learning experience and unlearning experience mm. as well. It's good stuff. So. Christopher? I said it last time, and I'm going to say it again. This has all been a lot, and my therapist still has a lot of work to do. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, de- deconstruction is one of those things that it's an ongoing process. It's I don't think it's ever going to be done for me. Yeah. Because you always learn something new, and you got to figure out a way to apply that to your life, to add it into what you already know, or how to use the new knowledge to replace old knowledge. And yeah. It's just something that's an ever-going thing. I'm never going to stop deconstructing um, because I have realized that it is the best way to get to know something. Mm. And in the in the realm of religion or literally anything else in my life, I think I'm going to keep deconstructing until the day I die. Yeah. Well, it's even like growing up, you know, you – you know your parents a certain way, but then when you become an adult, you begin to see them a little bit differently. That's deconstructing. You're deconstructing what you thought of as your parents, and you're learning new things. Yep. Um, it's a healthy thing. It's a it's a needed thing because you get to learn how, okay, well, now that I know this, how am I going to interact with this person or yeah. this thing? And so it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think I'm just going to end it with a quote from a book called Love Matters More by... Jared Bias, and I just realized that I wrote more it in the notes, but it's you. not. <laughs> I got you, dude. So uh, here it is. Our emphasis on knowledge and belief over the past few hundred years has deceived us into thinking true thoughts is what matters in the Christian faith. This couldn't be further from how the Bible talks about faith and, frankly, how it talks about truth. There are almost no places in the Bible where it endures, excuse me, endorses a view of truth as believing the right doctrine. And what, and that's what faith is. It's not certainty in what we know. It's confidence in who we know. If we have absolute truth, we wouldn't need to have faith in God. In fact, we would be God. Mm. True that. Well, everybody, that is the end of this episode. Um, thank you all again for listening, for being a part of the conversation. And like we said before, if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, moans, groans, whatever it is, please reach out to us. Uh, on all of our different you know social media stuff and whatever and so yeah we love you guys thank you and thanks for listening love see you guys. guys next time bye bye